Well, good morning. It is so good seeing all of you guys. Welcome to Forest Park. As you make your way back to your seat, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, verses 14, uh, all the way through 26. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you uh, for the incredible mercy and grace that you have lavished on us. How great the Father's love for us that we should be called children of God, and that is who we are. Oh, Lord, that's such an amazing truth. Lord, help us not to uh, make a light of that truth or take that truth for granted. But in our struggle against sin, help us to continually be reminded that we have been made children of God, that we've been adopted as sons, heirs to your kingdom. And Lord, as we look at your word today, can you speak to us and make yourself known to us? May we behold you, Lord Jesus, um, in this text. And may you address our hopes and our fears. May you convict us of our sins. And may our lives be transformed by the reading of your word as we see the living word in your word. So come, Lord, and speak to us. Holy Spirit, illuminate truth to us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we're looking at 2 Timothy, a real quick reminder as we, as we address um, this chapter, Paul is, is writing this deeply personal uh, letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, uh, who's more than likely pastoring Ephesus at that time. Now, Paul's in jail and he's awaiting his execution. And out of all the final instructions that he could give Timothy, he wanted to remind Timothy of the gospel. And so he encourages Timothy to hold fast to the truths of the gospel, to guard the gospel, to suffer for the gospel, and to continue to proclaim the gospel to the people in your church and also to yourself. And so in our text today, Paul is going to encourage Timothy by giving him three imageries of the characteristics of a faithful Bible teacher. And in giving these imageries, really what he's doing, he's reminding and instructing Timothy to remain faithful in teaching God's word and do not fall into the trap like the false teachers have fallen into. Now, as we look at this passage, you might be thinking to yourself, how is this passage relevant to me? Because I'm not a Bible teacher, so why go through this passage? And I think there's relevancy on two fronts. The first front is this. I think this passage is helpful to, to help us identify what a faithful teacher is and the characteristics of a faithful Bible teacher and also what a false teacher is. Because here's the reality. As you're going to church and whether you join a church or not, you're, if you're a Christian, you're part of the church and you're going to sit under Bible teaching, and you need the wisdom and the discernment whether it, this is a faithful Bible teacher or a false teacher. So that information is relevant to you. The second front I think this information is relevant is even though not all of us are, are Bible teachers, uh, the reality of it is all of us teach the Bible to someone. Not only are we teaching the Bible to ourselves, but we're teaching the Bible if you're married uh, to your spouse, if you have kids, to your children, or if you're single, to your friends, to your colleagues, to your neighbors. So all of us or teaching the Bible to someone in one way or a fashion. And so we need to know, like, what is a faithful Bible teacher? And so this is what Paul is going to, to reveal to us. What are the characteristics of a faithful Bible teacher? So let's look at our text in verse 14. Paul says this in verse 14. Remind them, 
of these things and charged them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. So let's just stop here because before Paul gives um, Timothy these three images of the characteristics of a faithful teacher, he begins by giving Timothy a charge. And in the charge, he says, remind them. Now you're like, okay, who's them? More than likely, uh, those are the men that Timothy must devote himself. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, devote yourself in training up faithful men able to teach God's word. In other words, what he's telling Timothy is, hey, as you're training up these pastors, as you're training up these faithful teachers, remind them of these things. Okay, what are these things? Could possibly refer to the gospel that he's supposed to pass on to them, or it could be uh, referring to all of Paul's instructions to Timothy. In other words, when he is saying, remind them of these things, he's telling Timothy, you have no right to make up the content of your own teaching, but rather you must retell the instructions that you yourself have received from me that Paul has received from the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what these with these men, Timothy is to be trained to be faithful teachers. They must remain true to the scripture. They must remain faithful to teaching the scripture and not get distracted by the fighting of words, the little useless technicalities that's based on human speculation, opinion, and tradition. Don't get caught up in these things. Why? Because Paul says not only are they useless, there's no point to them, but they're also destructive. Look at the second part of verse 14. It leads to, this is useless, and what does it lead to? It leads to ruin those, to those who are, are listening. In other words, really what he's telling Timothy, like as you're training these men, tell them to stick to the word. And when the word is plain about it, stick to it. If the word's unclear about it, move on. Because if you continue with the unclear things, it just ends up in arguing and bickering about words and it's useless because there's no point of it. It's based on what we think and speculation. And those who are sitting by and those who are sitting under that kind of teaching, eventually it leads them to ruin because they have no idea the big picture of the scripture. They have no idea the main and the plain things of the scripture. And so as he gives them this charge, now he gives them these imageries of the characteristics of a faithful teacher. Let's look at the, the first imagery in verse 15. He says this, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenius and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm bearing this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. So let's unpack this passage. So here's the very first imagery that Paul gives Timothy to describe the characteristic of a faithful teacher. If you're taking notes, is this. An unashamed worker. An unashamed worker. How do I get this? Well, look at verse 15. He says, be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved worker who does not need to be ashamed. 
In other words, an unashamed worker is somebody who works diligent when their master is watching them, or even when their master is not watching them. In other words, they're doing their job. They don't have to be ashamed. They don't have to be fear whether they're being caught for slacking. Paul says, that's the kind of teacher I want you to be, an unashamed worker. And notice what an unashamed worker does. The first thing he does, he is a diligent worker. That's why in verse 15 he says, be diligent. A faithful teacher is like an unashamed worker who must be diligent in studying God's word, knowing God's word, being transformed by God's word, and rightfully handling God's word. Now, if you think about it, why must a faithful Bible teacher be diligent in teaching God's Word? Because the reality of it is, is that when you're teaching God's Word, you don't always see the results of teaching God's Word. And that's why you must be diligent in doing it day in, day out, day in, day out, trusting that as you put in the work, eventually it will produce fruit. And not only must he be diligent in teaching God's word because he might not always see the results of his teachings, but his teachings, the very nature of his teaching is controversial because when he's handling God's word, what does God's word do? It confronts us. It confronts us in our sins. It exposes to us our idols, the thing that we hold dear, the thing that we want to protect. The very God's word is offensive to it as it says, that is not good, that is an idol, that will cause destruction. Turn away from that and turn to the Lord. And so a faithful teacher must be diligent in teaching God's word. The second thing that's, that an a, a unashamed worker does, not only is he diligent, But the unashamed worker is God-centered. He is God-centered. He is he's diligent to present himself to God as the one approved. In other words, a faithful teacher is not seeking the approval of man, but rather he already has the approval of God. Who's his master that he's ultimately serving? It is God. That's why Paul says that he present himself before God who is already approved of him. He is ultimately serving the Lord. The Lord is his master. And so he must be diligent in teaching God's word. One who is God-centered because one day he will stand before the Lord and the Lord will hold him accountable. The third one is this. The unashamed worker, as he's diligent, as he's God-centered, he must be careful, correctly, verse 15, the end of verse 15, correctly teaching the word of truth. Now, the Greek word for correctly is orthotomia. That's where we get our English word for orthodontist and orthodoxy, which means to cut straight. So in other words, what does an orthodontist do? They straighten out crooked teeth, and they take all of our money to straighten our teeth, right? They realign it. Orthodoxy is the the teaching of belief that rightly align with Scripture. So in other words, what what does a faithful Bible teacher do? He is an unashamed worker who's careful in teaching God's Word, and he helps his hearers stay aligned. He straightens them out and makes sure they are on the straight and narrow path of life. And he continually must realign his hearers as to what the word of God says to make sure that those who hear his word are aligned with scripture. 
through a faithful Bible teacher who's an unashamed worker, is diligent, God-centered, and he carefully teaches God's word as he aligns his hearers to line up with Scripture. And then what Paul's going to do is he is going to compare a faithful teacher with a false teacher. Look at, look at the false teacher in, in, in verse 16. He says this, avoid irreverent and empty speech. So in other words, a, a false teacher, their teaching is irreverent. Their teaching is empty. Since, look at the second part. Since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. In other words, the, the fruit of the teaching of a false teacher produces godlessness. Where the fruit of a faithful teacher produces God, godliness. Their teaching spreads like gangrene. Look at this in verse 17. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Now, now, what gangrene is, it's this decaying of tissue in the part of the body where the body was injured due to an injury or illness where no more blood can flow to that area. In other words, what's happening to that tissue is it's decaying, it is rotting, and it spreads. And so as this, the, 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 this, this disease is spreading throughout the body, it is rotting the body away. This is the result of false teachings. Their teachings is departing from the truth. He says in verse 18, they've departed from the truth saying that the resurrection has already taken place. And again, the Greek word for departing from the truth, it means to deviate. It means to swerve. It almost gives us this imagery of an archer that is shooting an arrow and it kind of comes at a curve and it misses the mark. That's what false teachers do. Their teaching comes at a swerve. It comes like, ooh, I haven't heard that before. And where does it land? It misses the mark. And their teaching continually miss the mark. Now, during Timothy's days and Paul's days, he, he provides us an example of these false teachers. And he actually calls them out by name. Hermonius, Philetus. And, and what are they teaching? They're teaching that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In other words, really what they're teaching, more than likely, they've been influenced by Gnosticism, which is the idea is all spiritual and material is good, and all physical uh, material is evil. And so why would God resurrect the evil body of a believer? There's no point. Thus, the spiritual resurrection of the believer has already occurred and there's no physical resurrection of death. Now, do you see like how there's half-truths? Have we been resurrected with Christ spiritually? Yes. But has the physical resurrection of the dead already occurred? No. And where they go to and saying like the physical resurrection of the dead has already occurred. That's almost now coming to the point saying, well, Christ was resurrected spiritually, but not physically because there's no need for God to, re to resurrect the physical body. They shoot with a curve and misses the mark. And Paul warns them, Timothy, against it. And, and, and look at the result of their teaching Verse 18, they have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place. And what are they doing? They are ruining the faith of some. In other words, the result 
of this false teaching is deadly. It leads people away from God. It's slowly like this this flesh-eating disease and tissue decaying. It slowly but surely spreads throughout the body and is rotting the body and the body is falling. This is the result of false teaching. So here's the question for us. If false teaching is so deadly, and if false teaching is so prevalent, it was prevalent in Paul's day, it is very prevalent in our day, what do we do? Look at verse 19. He says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, Bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from their wickedness. In other words, Paul is encouraging Timothy, in light of all this false teaching, do not despair. Why? Why? Because God's solid foundation will stand. Now, this solid foundation more than likely is the church. Not necessarily the visible church, but the invisible church made up of dead believers and alive believers. The people of God, God who knows his people as his own, who's gathered them. He is saying, even as this disease is spreading and even as false teachers is proclaiming a false gospel and you're thinking, oh my goodness, the body is rotting, the body is decaying because it's spreading so fast. What are we going to do? Paul says... The church will keep marching on because God is sovereign and keeping a people for himself. False teachers are going to come and go, but the church will keep marching on. Why? Because the church is God's people, is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ that he has redeemed for himself, and God is sovereignly keeping a people for himself. That's why Jesus says, all those the Father has given me, not one will I lose. Now, I know for us it's frustrating because I'm like, God, why are you allowing these false teachers? Why don't you just strike them down immediately, and let's just stop all this false teaching because it makes my job really hard. And yet the Lord allows it. Why? Because the Lord is keeping a people for himself. And he is reminding me that even as false teachers are so prevalent, it will never destroy the church. And then he says this, And let everyone who calls in the name of the Lord turn away from their wickedness. We might not know the hearts of people. We might all be the church and all say we are the people of God and there are some of you that are and there are some of you that's not. God knows. And I might not know your heart. You might have told me your story and I might see evidence of salvation in you, but truly I don't know. But what we do know is we see people's actions. And those who truly belong to God, what will they do? They will turn from their wickedness and they will turn to the Lord and they will bear fruit. So as Christians, we should not fear false teaching. We should certainly run away from them, but we should not think that the church will crumble because no false teacher has that kind of power. Let's move on to the second imagery. So the first imagery is that of an unashamed worker who is diligent 
God-centered and correctly handles God's word to realign his, his hearers. Uh, the second one, let's look at verse 20. It says this, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So the second imagery to describe the characteristics of a faithful teacher, if you're taking notes, is an honorable vessel. An honorable vessel. You're like, what do you mean by an honorable vessel? What Paul is doing is Paul is describing a big house, and a house is filled with utensils. And as this house is filled with utensils, we have fancy utensils, aka china. I don't think they do that anymore. Back in the day, they do. And when do you bust out the china? For a fancy occasion that is used for honorable use. And then you have the not-so-fancy utensils. You have the everyday use because you have kids and half of them are plastic because what happens to the fancy ones? If you use them every day, they, they break. And so you have the not-so-honorable vessels that you use for every ordinary day use or for disposable use. And that's what Paul is saying. There are some vessels that are made of gold and silver. That's for honorable use. That's for special occasions. And then you have the ordinary utensils, the wood, the clay. That's for ordinary use. That's for dishonorable use. So that's the imagery he gives us. So, so more than likely, this large house seems to describe the visible church. And the bowls or the vessels seems to be two types of teachers in the church. And just like the unashamed worker and the shameful worker, there's the honorable vessel and the dishonorable vessel. The honorable vessel is the faithful teacher. And the dishonorable vessel is the false teacher. But notice this. What's the distinction between the honorable vessel and the dishonorable vessel? Look at verse 21. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable. So what's the distinction between the faithful and the false? The faithful purifies himself. And what it means to purify himself is to cleanse himself. Now I know some of you are like, well, time out here. I thought we have been purified in Christ. We've been made clean in Christ. Yes, we have. But what are we also called to do? To become what we are. If we've been made clean by Christ, we should cleanse ourselves, pursue, purify ourselves by pursuing holiness. And, and this is why, uh, look at how we, we cleanse ourselves. Look at verse, uh, verse 22. He says this, Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. So in other words, how does the faithful teacher purify himself? He runs away from sin, but it's not enough to run away from sin. What does he run towards? Towards righteousness. He's running towards the Lord. And so this cleaning that must take place for an honorable vessel is this idea is that a faithful teacher continually runs away from sin. He continually runs towards the Lord in pursuit of righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You know what that process is called of running away from sin and running towards the Lord? 
It's called holiness. It's called the pursuit of holiness. So the distinction between a faithful teacher and a false teacher is the pursuit of holiness. Notice has nothing to do with skill. Has everything to do with their life. You want to become useful to the master? Pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. The condition of the faithful teacher to be useful is not skill but holiness. In other words, the faithful teacher must diligently watch his life and his doctrine closely. Why? Because the two are connected. What we believe impacts how we live and how we live shows us what we truly believe. So how, how do you know this is a faithful teacher? Because he's skilled? No. Because he pursues holiness. Because he's running away from sin. He's pursuing the Lord. He's pursuing faith, hope, love, and peace. He's watching his life closely. He's watching his doctrine closely because the two are connected. And then Paul gives his final imagery. Look at verse 23. He says, But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know they breed quarrels. Very similar to verse 14. Verse 24 says this. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So what's the third imagery here? Verse 24, it's what? The Lord's servant. A faithful teacher is like the Lord's servant. They are devoted to teaching the Lord's word with gentleness and patience. And I think Paul kind of gives us a little bit of a contrast between a faithful teacher and a false teacher. A false teacher loves to engage in foolish and ignorant disputes, and it only leads to fighting. Faithful teachers avoid foolish and ignorant disputes and focuses on teaching God's word. Faithful teachers teach and instruct. Paul says, teach and instruct with what? With patience, gentleness. You see, the only way a faithful teacher can teach with patience and gentleness is if they pursue Christ and they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that empowers them. Because guess what? Patience and gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And when Paul is telling Timothy to be gentle and patient in his teaching. I don't think he's telling Timothy to shrink back from these false teachers because guess what does he tell Timothy to do? He tells Timothy to confront these false teachers. But how do you confront them? He says to do it with, with gentleness, to instruct them with gentleness and with patience. Now, gentleness does not mean timid. But rather, it means strength under control. He must correct his opponents with gentleness and patience. And why must he correct his opponents with gentleness and patience? Look at verse 25. What's the ultimate hope? Instructing his opponents with gentleness. And he says, perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. 
Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. In other words, Paul's reminding Timothy that the enemy is not the false teacher, but the one behind the false teacher, the devil who has ensnared them to do his will. And when you confront them and instruct them with gentleness and patience, you're opening up the door for who knows, the Lord might grant them repentance. He might soften their hearts. He might open up their eyes. And they might see that they have fallen into the trap of the devil. And they might repent and turn away from that false teachings and turn to the Lord. So let's wrap it up here. Real quick. The character of a faithful teacher. A faithful teacher is an unashamed worker who's diligent in studying God's word and knowing God's word and teaching God's word, who works hard to keep his hearers, his listeners, his congregation on the straight and narrow path by realigning them to make sure their lives line up with scripture. A faithful teacher is an honorable vessel. In other words, he must continually maintain purity of life and doctrine so that he can become useful or remain useful to the master. In other words, he is constantly pursuing holiness by fleeing from his sin and running after Jesus. A faithful teacher is the Lord's servant who avoids foolish controversies and he's gentle and he's patient as he's teaching others, even to those who oppose them, praying and trusting that the Lord might grant them repentance. Let's just be honest. How are we doing in being a faithful teacher? Anybody succeeding? No. Like even in our best day, as we try to excel at these tasks, all of us in a sense fall short, even myself. But here's the good news. We can look to Jesus, who's the ultimate faithful teacher. Think, think about this here, Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate unashamed worker who perfectly taught God's word because he was the very living word of God. The gospel writers describe Jesus' teaching. The crowds were amazed at Jesus' teaching. Why? Because he was the one who was teaching with authority unlike the scribes and the Pharisees. Continually realigning people to align with God's word to tell us wide is the road and wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road and difficult is the road that leads to life. You've heard that it was said, but now I'm telling you. In other words, he's constantly telling people, realign yourself with God's word. He was the ultimate honorable vessel. Think about it. He was set apart for a special occasion to rescue sinners. And because of his perfect fulfillment of God's righteous law, and because of his substitutionary death for us, we can be made righteous. And now we have the power to pursue righteousness. Like, do you understand that, brothers and sisters? Now, because of Jesus Christ, you can say no to sin. Before Christ, you could not run away from your sinful passions and desires and run to the Lord. You had no power because you were under its, its enslavement. But now, because of Jesus, what can you do? You can say no to sin, and you can pursue righteousness. 
Jesus was the, think about this, he was the capital Lord's servant. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said of himself, I am gentle and humble, and all of those who come to me will find rest. Jesus was portrayed as meek, and yet at the Mount of Transfiguration, he was majestic. Isaiah writes about Jesus. The suffering servant will endure the, fog, the flogging of evil men and the mocking of sinners. He will be led to the cross as a sleep sheep led to the slaughter. He will be wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. He will be oppressed and afflicted. And what did he do to his opponents? He did not open his mouth and he interceded for them and say, Father, Forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. He bore the sins of many. Jesus is the Lord's servant. And not only is he a model for all teachers, but he's also the person who gives power to accomplish the mission of a faithful teacher. You want to be a faithful teacher? I hope that is your desire Look to Christ. Pursue Christ. Don't be ensnared by the traps of the devil. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you were the ultimate servant, that you were the ultimate unashamed worker, the honorable vessel. Lord, help us to remain true to your word. Help us to be diligent in studying your word, knowing your word. Lord, in teaching your word to our children, to our spouses, to our friends, to our co-workers. Lord, every day we're being influenced by this, by our culture. And there are so many false teachings and there's so many traps to fall into. Lord, can you keep us and help us to persevere through all of this? Lord, help us to become honorable vessels and useful to you as we pursue holiness. And Lord, as we are confronted with false teachers and false teachings, as we are confronted with people who believe wrong things about you, can you help us not to see them as the enemy? And help us to realize that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it is the devil who has deceived people who is enslaved people. And so help us with the compassion to correct people's teaching with gentleness and patience, trusting that you would grant them repentance. And Lord, those who wrongly believe things about you and wrongly teach things about you, Lord, can you open up their eyes? Can you help them to turn from their sins and to turn to you? Can you help us to be faithful and repenting of our sins, turning from our wickedness, and turn to you and bear fruit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.